Roku added 2 million active users in Q3 2022, with ARPU up 10% versus last year. So why did the stock price plunge? The outlook for Q4 is gloomy and competition in key markets is heating up. Listen on to find out more. This week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and Colin Dixon from Endscreen Media is with me uh, as always. Hi there, Colin. Hey, Will. It's uh, been a very busy week this week. It's earnings season, yeah. and boy, don't you know it. We've had results from Dish and Comcast last week and Paramount and boy, there's just been a lot of data floating around out there. And we're certainly going to take a look at some of it today. Uh, But uh, before we get there, I think we're going to do a few news stories, right? We're going to do a couple of news stories before we get to Roku, which is our main story this week. And I think you are going to start us off with YouTube. I am going to start us off with YouTube because... YouTube has joined the SVOD aggregation crowd. It has launched a thing called Primetime Channels, which will allow YouTube users to subscribe to, I think they have about, they say they have about 30 SVOD services that people can subscribe to directly through YouTube and pay through YouTube as well. So it's all integrated in and they can watch in the YouTube client too. So it's it's all integrated in one place. Uh, they're very late to the party. Uh, YouTube, um, Amazon channels launched, oh, I think it launched over five years ago now. And he's probably the market leader. That's where most people who have subscribed to an SVOD service f- through another service have done. They've done it through um, Amazon. That has been very successful for them. But everybody's in there, Roku, Apple, and uh, many of the pay TV providers like Comcast, they're also selling subscriptions to SVOD services to their customers. So though they're late to the party, Will, I think they're in a pretty good position because of their reach. They just have superb reach. In fact, I can't think of a client that is on more devices than YouTube is. Even Netflix, I think, probably bows to YouTube in that department. Uh, So I think this is an excellent opportunity for them to sell. And uh, I guess we'll have to see how they do it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's an excellent opportunity for them also. Keep in mind that um, they have been touting how much of their viewership comes on connected TVs. So that's a perfect environment for them to be able to promote specific services and get people to viewers to sign up right then for an additional service. So I think, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I I do too. And, you know, funnily enough, we were, I was testing this earlier today because as of yet, although they said it would start rolling out Wednesday, I hadn't seen it. I was looking all day yesterday and I actually looked this morning And it still wasn't there, but literally five minutes before we started, (laughs) we started to record, it showed up and it looks pretty good. It's exactly as described. And when you do a search on a show that is part of one of those services, you get a nice box to the right of the search results, which tells you about the service and you can click on the service and subscribe right there inside of YouTube. And 
pay with, I guess, however you pay for YouTube. So it seems to be pretty well integrated in already. No doubt. And they'll be adding more services uh, going forward for sure, right? I'm sure they will. Although yeah. I have to say, Will, don't anybody hold their breath to subscribe to Disney Plus or Netflix or, Netflix. or, yeah. or Hulu or any of the other top SVODs just yet in that service. I, don't, I think it'll be a long time before they show up. But anyway, that's my new story. What did you see? Yeah, well, um, well, as you said, there were a number of different things going on this week. But <clears throat> excuse me, one thing that I radar was that uh, Fox reported its earnings and reported very strong growth for Tubi, saying that um, their quarterly growth was up almost 30% over last year. Estimated Tubi's revenue at $165 million, which they said is above what Fox Entertainment's uh, ad revenue is now. So um, Fox is, Tubi is becoming a bigger and bigger part of Fox's overall picture. Um, they said that they recorded 1.3 billion hours of viewership on Tubi, which was a record for the um, service. And uh, they did not, as far as I can see, did not announce the number of users, but the um, the ad revenue growth, and actually they forecast a relatively optimistic um, holiday quarter also. So in both this last quarter and the upcoming quarter, they kind of bucked the trend a little bit. We'll talk about Roku here in a moment, but uh, kind of bucked the trend of what we've seen from lots and lots of other ad-supported companies during this earnings season of declining ad revenue in this last quarter that ended in September, and also relatively soft guidance for the upcoming quarter related to advertisers pausing campaigns, uncertainty in the economy, inflation, consumer spending, uh, uncertainty, etc. So Tubi kind of bucked all those trends and seems to be in a pretty strong position right now. Yeah, it does, Will. And in fact, interestingly, Paramount gave their results I think they gave their results yesterday and said that they'd seen a growth in monthly active users for for Pluto TV which they said now has 72 million I think it was actually up quite quite a lot five or six million uh, on the quarter which is pretty impressive growth however the ad revenue growth was much smaller didn't they say it was about four percent something like that year four percent i think yes yep. yeah yeah so so that really speaks to a bit of a slowdown there and that was certainly a theme in roku which we'll as you say we'll get to in a little bit but one of the big differences i think between pluto tv and and tubi is that tubi has invested in originals and they have they have really quite a list of, of, of originals now. I, I was just peeking on their site, and they've got things like documentaries, like Killing Diana, and the, the Hot Take, the Depp Heard Trial. So you know, sort of popularist crime and and documentary stuff, as well as movies. So they have they have quite a lot of originals. So. The original strategy that uh, Lachlan Murdoch put in place seems to be working pretty well. Um, he said he was going to spend judiciously, and obviously what he's spending on seems to be working pretty well. Well, It does seem to be working well, and we'll keep monitoring Tubi's results. But I think we want to move on now to our main story, which was Roku reporting its Q3 earnings this week. Again, big week for earnings and 
I think you're going to take us through the top line results there. I, I will. And it, it looks continued pretty good, although the outlook may not be so good. We'll get to that in a little bit. So they grew the number of active users, number of active accounts by about four, uh, excuse me, 2 million. Uh, last year it was 2.2 million, 3.6%. They now have 65.4 million active accounts. And the average revenue per unit, and this is an annualized number, the, it's a rolling average that they calculate for the year, is now $44.25 per active account, which is about, uh, it's, a, it's a little higher than, than last quarter, which was $44.10, but uh, $4.15 more than Q3 2021. So really good growth there. And to sort of support that, they grew the number of streaming hours pretty pretty significantly as well from 20.7 last quarter to 21.9 billion hours now i do what i do with that number is i sort of work it out as an average for the average viewer and what you get when you do that is that it increased from 3 hours and 39 minutes to three hours and 45 minutes per day over the last quarter. So that's certainly not the highest viewing level that we've seen. Viewing levels were actually much, much higher or significantly higher during the teeth of the pandemic when we were all locked down. But it's certainly gotten things going in the right direction and I would expect that to go up again in Q4. Um, so that's the, the sort of basic metrics of their business the platform business which is the bit that houses their most lucrative uh, revenue earner which is advertising sales that did pretty well up 15 percent year over year to 670 million uh, their player business not so great flat from last quarter 91 million and it's actually down seven percent uh, over the previous year uh, so really, most of the profit and most of the revenue now is coming from Roku's platform business. And they're seeing, I think, things go in the right direction, Will. So growth in all of the important metrics that matter to their business. So they're doing pretty well. Yeah, I think all that's right. And, you know, with the 65.4 million active accounts, they're a huge platform that uh, people, as you say, you know, rely on for hours and hours per day of their viewing. Um, and that, of course, has been fueled also by cord cuttings increase, cord neverings increase as well. So I, I know we talked about this in the past, but that term that Freewheel coined so long ago, the quote, new living room, that idea, I think, has Roku and, and other players right in the middle of it. It, it does, Will. They didn't really give us many metrics on the progress of the Roku channel, though, which was a bit disappointing. In the past, they've sort of given us some sort of hint in the growth of the audience for that. They did say that it remained a top five channel, both if you looked at it from a per per the perspective of active account reach and streaming hours engagement. They say it's a top five channel. Uh, and they do point to their originals 
and they have some interesting ones there they say they richard eisen show has done well for them and amaral tailgates uh, their, their recent premieres um, and they really are excited and i think we're all excited about the we uh, a show that they've got premiering uh, on november 4th which i guess we're recording on the third so i guess that's tomorrow friday uh, when many of you are probably listening. And this is weird, the Al Yankovic story. I know both Will and I are of an age where we both remember Weird Al in his heyday uh, with his covers of, of songs from people like Michael Jackson doing great things. So that looks looks pretty interesting. So a bit of a different strategy, I think, in spending from, uh, from Tubi where they are really going for more high, pro- high profile stuff. Um, they're also doing more partnerships. I think they just signed up Paramount Plus uh, for the, the service and they're promoting that pretty heavily as well in, inside of Roku. So as I, as I said at the beginning when we were talking about YouTube TV, YouTube, excuse me, becoming a SVOD aggregator, Roku is another significant SVOD aggregator and they've just added Paramount Plus to the suite of, of services that they can offer subscriptions to and they're promoting that heavily through the interface as well. So definitely the Roku channel is doing better. I just wish they would give us a little bit more information on exactly how much better it's doing and where it ranks. Uh, but, uh, you know, doing pretty well nonetheless. Absolutely. And as you alluded at the very beginning there, the um while Q3 came in pretty nicely, the challenge appears to be Q4. They were pretty candid in talking about the um, ad market, the advertising market that they've been experiencing in Q3 and what they expect to be experiencing in Q4, uh, which is, of course, already we're about, uh, you know, give or take about midway through it, almost midway through at this point. So. Um, Roku said that they have seen uh, big advertisers pause their campaigns, not just with Roku, but with other um, platforms as well. So they're seeing slowdown. They're seeing or experiencing firsthand the uncertainty that advertisers have with the economy uh, concerns that there's a recession looming ahead and there could be consumer spending slowdown and that advertisers are, as a result, slowing or even, in some cases, stopping their ad spending entirely. So that fed into their Q4 guidance, which just very quickly to recap, um, total revenue of 800 million, that would actually be down from the 865 million in Q4 21 um, a gross profit forecast of 325 million that would be down from 380 million a year ago and a net income actually a net loss of 245 million and that would compare to a um, profit of a little over 21 million a year ago so clearly Roku is um, forecasting a, a re, you know real softening in Q4 compared to a year ago. Um, but they kind of positioned it as leaving things a little bit um, ambiguous because they don't have any um, 
better insight as to how advertisers are going to uh, uh, react here as this quarter unfolds than anybody else does. And maybe spending will actually not be as soft as they're thinking it might be at this point. So uh, certainly a, a period of uncertainty and um, you know, Roku is obviously one of many ad-supported companies we talked about earlier relative to Tubi that has been experiencing softness in their business. Yeah, and and I, I said the market wasn't that uh, pleased with what they had to say. It, it initially plunged, although I'm looking at the market right now and it seems to have recovered a little bit. It initially fell, oh my goodness, uh, $10 or close, close to it, um, and but has recovered a little bit. But I have to say that there are other headwinds that they didn't really comment on too directly. There wasn't too much information on how they're doing internationally, uh, which is a key, I think a key metric for them. They really do need to start growing internationally. And the second thing was that there is increased competition in the TVOS market. Now, this is a key driver for Roku. They continue to they say they continue to lead you know tvos sales of tvs in the in the u.s market they're the number one smart tv operating system in the u.s in terms of uh, units shipped they say but i gotta tell you that there's been a lot of erosion of their position there uh, key key partners such as tcl and hisense are now working with other people but in particular google tv um so there's a lot of competition now in that market, which is not favorable to their position. Uh, and of course, there are new competitors coming into the market. As we know, we talked to TiVo a few weeks ago about their entry into the market with the TiVo OS, OS, although they're primarily focused in Europe, that's still a headwind there because Roku's also focused pretty heavily in growth in Europe as well. Uh, so that's a problem, and uh, and of course the Comcast Charter uh, subsidiary or joint joint venture, I should say, which they've just called Zumo because they transferred Zumo the uh, fast linear service which Comcast picked up uh, a couple of years ago. Here they transferred that into the JV. That of course is going pretty hot and heavy after that market as well with it, which is with its operating system. So this is becoming a much more competitive space, uh, despite the fact that Anthony Wood, who's the CEO of Roku, has predicted that this market will consolidate down to one or two players. There certainly doesn't seem to be any sign at all in the market that that's happening right now, Will. So company is facing a lot of headwinds, a big slowdown in the advertising market, uh, more competition in the key smart TV OS market, which I think has been a big driver of the growth in active users of Roku of, of late. Uh, so, you know, could be that we see a general slowdown in the growth of both uh, ARPU and of the number of active users coming forward for at least for a couple of quarters, I think. Yeah, we'll see. Um, on the flip side, I think there's, and I think we may disagree a little bit about this, but I, I think there's a lot of upside for them in the new product line that they're, products that they're offering in the so-called smart home category. So um, this includes things like cameras, doorbells, lights, plugs, Etc. And um, you know, we're I I agree with Anthony Wood. He commented on this in the um, earnings call yesterday that these are all relatively new markets. Um, 
really early in their adoption. And you look back again at those 65 million active accounts that Roku has to address with these additional products and the channels that they can use, the Roku channel, the interface, um, the home screen, et cetera, that they can use to promote these various products. And I think the, um, you know, sort of brand equity that they have with customers as being a very easy platform to use, very easy um, TVs. That's always been the hallmark of Roku, simplified remote control, et cetera. Um, I, I think Roku has a nice position in the market for these smart devices. And to the extent that they're adopted, I think they lead to better retention of Roku, not just of Roku TVs, but also of all the services that people buy through Roku, like as we were talking about earlier, various SVOD services, et cetera. Um, so I think it's good for retention for them also. There's no question that, again, Amazon is stomping around here in this smart home market. Google is as well. But I think Roku has in their DNA that they know how to succeed in the land of giants, which is what they've done with TVs. And that, that gives them the requisite experience to succeed in the smart home device space as well. So I think there's some real upside for them in this, and it's still very early days. Yeah, totally understand the, the argument there, yeah. And I'm just looking at their at their smart home plans, and they sort of start at $299 a month or $30 a year, or their plus plan, which covers more devices is $10 a month or $99, $100 a year. So, you know, this, they're, they're sort of in the, the pricing for that is certainly in the ballpark of what uh, the competitors are in this market, maybe a little cheaper than say Comcast is. Uh, but, you know, the investment in the hardware is gonna be a drain, that's for sure. We know that there's not much money to be made on the devices. So, I, I don't know, it, yes, uh, there's one one side where a subscriber to their home security and IoT stuff is certainly going to be more locked into the Roku experience because that's how they manage their smart home devices. So that's that's to the good, and this is the old double play, triple play model that pay TV has used for decades or at least a decade or more to get people locked into their services, right? To have more than one service. So that's all to the good, but the question is how many people will bite? How many people will decide that they want to buy those devices and service through Roku? And well, I guess we'll have to wait and see because there's lots of other people in that market too that want to sell those devices. Most most significantly, their broadband provider is very keen to, to, to do that. And I think all the major broadband providers now do have those services. So very competitive market. We have to see how successful they can be in it. Absolutely. And I think we have covered a lot of ground here and we, this week, and we haven't even touched on a number of other things that were coming out of earnings season as well. Maybe we'll hold those for next week, but I think we're about out of time. I think we are too, Will. Good discussion. Likewise. And we'll see you all again next week on Inside the Street. Thanks for listening. Inside the Stream is a production of in-screen media and video news, all rights reserved.